know every circumstance, every situation that we've come in here with today. And you are faithful, able, God, to begin to complete the work that you have done. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, God, that you are our provider. You are our healer, our deliverer, and we worship you today. And we just thank you, God, that this is going to be a week of miracles, a week of breakthrough. Lord, and we just give you the first of this week, oh God. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Why don't we invite you to stand with us as we open up and worship. The Lord is our shepherd, amen. He leads us, he guides us every step of the way. Lord, we just thank you that you are our shepherd this morning. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. All our hope in you, Lord. All our trust in you, Lord. All we want is you, Lord. All our eyes on you, All our hope in you, Lord. All our trust in you, Lord. All we want is you, Lord. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our helper. Oh. Jesus, lead us and show us the way to follow you. Oh, yes, we just want you, Lord. Why don't we sing it to him, all our eyes on you, Lord. All our eyes on you, Lord. All our hope in you, all our hope in you. Trust in you, all our trust in you, Lord. All we want is you, all we want is you, Lord. The Lord is our shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd. Yes, hallelujah. The Lord is our helper. Oh, Jesus. Show us the way to follow you. Come on, is that your cry this morning? God, lead us. Show us the way. Oh, Jesus, lead us. And show us the way. My life better and I like it better when I am following you oh oh my life is better and I like it better when I am following you oh oh my life is better come on just tell them I like it better oh God when I am Oh, 
but I like it better when I'm following you. is in you Lord God there's no other place that we want to be than in your will God and in your way we thank you Jesus this morning we speak Jesus over every circumstance over every situation over fear and anxiety and depression because there is power amen in the name of Jesus we thank you for it God I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because i know there is power within your presence i speak jesus yes, i just want to speak the name of jesus till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. 
oppression. Come on, we're going to speak. I speak Jesus. Because oh, oh, oh. your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. Burn like a fire. Your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Yes, it is. Join every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. Burn like fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Come on, let's begin to speak the name of Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Oh, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Yes, we do. Because your name, because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Yes, it is. Bring every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. The shadows burn like a fire. Yes, come on, let's sing it again. Your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Your name is life. Your name is life. Break every, break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus yes come on we speak Jesus Somebody just call on that name today, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's power, there's healing, there's freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the power in the name. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, yeah. For my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Jesus in the mountains, shout Jesus from the mountains and 
Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family Jesus for my family I speak the holy name of Jesus Come on, you speak it out over your family today I speak Jesus Speak Jesus from the mountains And Jesus from the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we speak the name of Jesus today. God, for depression, for anxiety, it has to go. God, at the, in the power of the name of Jesus, and we speak Jesus over our family. We speak Jesus, God, over sickness, and we declare healing. Oh, God, for those who are sick in their body, God, even broken in their soul, those who are addicted and bound, we speak the mighty name of Jesus. God, for freedom to take place in their life. Lord, and we just thank you that today is a day of change. I thank you that just one word from heaven, just one word from you, Lord. God can change what's going on in our situation today. And we come expecting, God, for that to take place. We've come expecting to receive a word today. God, and we thank you that your presence is in this room. God, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are causing, God, a way where there seems to be no way. And we just receive it today. We thank you that this is our time and our hour of breakthrough, God. And we're going to step in it. We're going to walk in it. We're going to trust you God we're gonna only listen to your voice we don't God we refuse to listen to the voice of the enemy today Lord and we thank you God for who you are for what you've done what you're going to do in Jesus mighty name we pray amen you may be seated wow we are so glad that you chose to come here at Praise Church this morning and worship with us what a beautiful spirit that has uh, come in here of the Lord as we come together and just engage in worship and worship our King Amen. The word says that he inhabits, that God inhabits the praises. He lives in our praises. And so when you get, begin to shout, when you begin to praise and worship the Lord, he always shows up. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm, I'm very excited about our speaker today. Um, she's going to be coming and delivering a powerful word. We had a phenomenal time um, yesterday at our New Orleans campus for our uh, Unlocked unlock your harvest women's event and uh, a lot of women shared uh, had a little portion in the in the uh, program and Miss Kathy shared a powerful word various women came and and shared a powerful word it was awesome and then Dr. Tracy Mitchell she just brought it to a whole a whole different level and um, I I want to just share a few announcements and then uh, Josh is going to come, um, but a few things we have coming up. You probably received little cards when you came in. We have some things, information on those cards, um, and one of which is our Fall Fest, and we always provide an alternative to Halloween for our kids, and it's such a great time, but it's not just for kids. A lot of adults come, too, even if you don't have kids. We all just come, uh, and we have a, a um, it's the venue, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here, is Jump and Jive. It's in Prairieville. How many of you know where that is, familiar with that? And so we've rented the whole um, the facility 
So it'll just be our church people and people that you invite. Please invite your friends to come. Uh, some of our young ones, like I know that Bo's going to be sending some invitations to his classmates, and you can take some extra cards, do that, hand that out to some of your friends and invite them to come. It's just a great way uh, to connect, to come together with um, like-minded believers, just have a great atmosphere and have fun. So there's inflatables tons of inflatables for them to play on even up to teenager age it's uh you know it'll what are the words i'm trying to say um It'll appeal to them. That's what I'm looking for. To young ones all the way up to teens. And then we have a party room. We'll have pizza. Everything is free, by the way. The whole event is free. And uh, we'll have pizza and beverages. And then we'll have some um, bags with candy, all kinds of goodies for the kids. And I think it's important for kids to know that church and being a Christian is fun. Amen. And for them not to think that they're missing out on things, right? But God says that we are a peculiar people and that we're different. And there's some things of this world that we are not to engage in. And so I, I've always loved this time um, because even as a kid growing up in church, we always had an alternative to Halloween. And so instead of celebrating hell, we're going to be celebrating Jesus and letting our light shine. So we invite you to come. It's October 31st. It's going to be from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Again at Jump and Jive. Information's on our website um, and also on those cards there. Uh, another announcement. Very excited. What a phenomenal Phenomenal opportunities our pastors have been having with ministry. Pastor Garland, Pastor Bev have been traveling so much lately, um, and pe speaking at conferences and, and various things. And one of those uh, ama amazing opportunities and doors that open, um, many of you know who are part of our church know <clears throat> that years ago before Hurricane Katrina, we hosted Prophet Kim Clement and his team um, at our church in New Orleans. At that time, we didn't have a campus here. And um, in fact, as a result of what the enemy tried to bring in to bring destruction, amen, God used that. And, and we were able to birth this campus as well. And so we have the two. And so we hosted Prophet Kim and um, t twice in New Orleans, and it was absolutely powerful. Um, and as a result of that, you know, Pastor, uh, Pastor and prophet they developed a relationship of course those of you who follow know that prophet kim is no longer with us but his daughter one of his daughters donna is taking over uh the ministry and his and his wife um jane clement and so there was an opportunity that came and they were interviewed um they interviewed our pastors this week and so we were here they did a zoom um recording it was a powerful show powerful program and so that's going to be airing on um kim clement ministries and uh this saturday so i want to uh, pastor bev sent me that information to make that announcement and so it's gonna it's airing this saturday the 15th at 2 p.m central time and it's going to be on houseofdestiny.tv so houseofdestiny.tv and it's this saturday at 2 p.m and you'll be able to see pastors garland and beverly their interview with uh donna clement i don't know how to pronounce her last name appropriately um and then also her mother jane clement and so uh very excited about that we've got a lot of other things coming up go to our website social media um such as our uh one of our announcements is our december 11th banquet our christmas banquet it's going to be awesome so We'd love for you to come. It's going to be at Augie's Restaurant in Harahan. Tickets are on sale now. And then Blizzard Breakaway is coming up. You guys, I can't believe. Like, we're almost, like, it's, it's almost there, you know. And so it's going to be a wonderful time. We'd love for you to come and join us at the Dream More Resort um, for February the 18th through 22nd, 2023. This will be our 33rd annual 
Blizzard Breakaway Conference. So it's going to be awesome. And uh, Pat, Prophet Patrick Kitely will be with us along with Pastor Garland, Pastor Bev, Josh and I, um, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Rochelle. And I don't know what else is good. Maybe we, we may have other people we add to the lineup. Not sure. But um, at this time, if Pastor Josh would come. Amen. You guys have an awesome week. This is going to be a great week. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe and receive. Amen. You know, I'll just say the Christmas banquet is one of my favorite times just because there's a whole nother campus that you don't interact with all the time and people. And so it's really the only event of the year that both churches come together in one place and share a meal and Christmas joy. So, man, my first Christmas banquet, Bethany had me dancing and singing and everything else. I just told her I'm attending this year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, as long as the audio runs good and all the sound, I'm happy. So uh, anyway, all right, this morning we're going to talk about uh, Hebrews, and there's some marriage counseling for you. Get up and make the coffee, Hebrews, amen. I was thinking this morning, boy, we need some new Christian jokes. It's like I always use the one, you know, there's one person in the Bible with no parents. His name's Joshua. He was the son of none, you know. But, and it's like we got all these, but it's like, we're using content written 2,000 years ago, so it's like, you know, sometimes we've got to have a little grace, but uh, anyway, we need to laugh. But in verse 12, um, or chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight the paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation. So may be strong. So be made strong, even in your weakness, by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen weak knees, for as you keep walking on, forward on God's paths, all of your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. Man, that's, you know, that's the message that I get so excited about, is the message of the gospel. We don't live for perfection, amen. Come on, we live for salvation. Come on, we live for the path of God. And I love this because I'm going to tell you, you know, we, we, we get up and we live this life and we become the Jesus and we think we won't have any trials. But let me tell you, in this world, you're going to get hurt. And you're going to get hurt a lot. Why? Because we're surrounded by fallen men with fallen hearts in a fallen world. But here's the good news that the gospel gives us. He said, if you will walk on his path, come on, that foot that's out of joint will be reconnected and divinely healed. And so that's why every Sunday I get up and I get excited in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because even if in my life may be a little bit of a mess right now, if I keep on his path, walking in it, there will be divine healing and restoration to my steps. You know, that, that, that also applies in your finances. Come on. God has principles for his finances. One, it starts with giving. Come on. To give opens up opportunity for he provides seed to the sower. Come on, not the holder, but the sower. The word of God says that he provides seed to the sower. So if you have a heart to give, ask God, God, fill my hands with seed that I may sow, that a harvest may come of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for this day, O oh God. I thank you, God, for those that are in trials, if they follow after you, that you will divinely heal their steps. Lord, I thank you those that are in this place that are hungry and, and, 
I feel it over here. There's someone in this, in this section of the room. There is a deep desire. And you, you, you've been saying, I have to give more. God has moved upon my heart. I have to give more. Well, Lord, I thank you that you said your word that you would give seed to the sower. I thank you, God, that you've caused us to be the head and not the tail. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in this time, in this season, Lord. Father, fill our hands with seed to sow that we may reap a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we give you all praise and glory as we celebrate and worship you in our giving this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Young men are standing in the back if you want to bring your ties. But I know a lot of many people are doing it online. I haven't got to the place yet of uh, doing online stuff. I guess I'm the old generation. You know, it, it, there's a lot of distinction in the Word of God. It says that your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall have visions. And, and uh, a few years ago, I, trans, uh, um, I moved over into dreaming dreams. And uh, so anyway... I thought if Josh could tell some jokes, I'd tell some too, but uh, his was funnier than mine. <laughs> it's good to see everybody today. We, we, weather's changing, and uh, it's a little bit cooler outside. If you don't like it, just wait. We're in Louisiana. It'll change in about an hour. And uh, I, want you to, I want you to go to a passage with me. We've got a guest speaker that's coming uh, uh, to speak to us this morning. It's going to be powerful. Uh, ladies had a uh, women's meeting yesterday, a luncheon, and uh, man, I think everybody that was there enjoyed uh, the message that came forward, a, a big challenge and, and uh, great word that came forth. I know th this morning is going to be another uh, powerful word that's going to come and, and you're going to enjoy it. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, well, let's go, let's go above that. Let's go to verse, um, verse 11. For, for what, a, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual with spiritual. I find, I find that in our world today, in the church world, that many are, are comparing the spiritual things with worldly things. And so we get confused with some of the areas because we're not comparing spiritual with spiritual. We're mixing the world system with a spiritual system, and it's not going to mix. It doesn't mix. There's no way you can mix them together because they're two separate worlds. But when you start looking for spiritual insight in your own soul, God begins to bring in you an understanding by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, an understanding of the Word, and the Word just begins to move up off of the pages and begins to become revelation to you. I want revelation. I don't want religion. I, I'm, I'm sick of religion. I'm sick of the watered-down foolishness that's in churches today 
We need a move of God's spirit. And the only way that we're going to have a move of God's spirit is for us to start seeking after spiritual things. Which means that I might have to put aside some of my own desires, some of my uh, fleshly ways, in order to get into a place of relationship with God. I say this all the time. I've been saying this for years. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And we need a relationship with God. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need a relationship with the Lord. We, we, and in order to do that, I have to move myself into a position that the word becomes valuable to me. That it becomes very important to me. It's not a casual, um, well, I'm going to read my scripture and then I'm going to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. You know, that's, that's for our children. We're teaching our children how to pray. That, that you, know, you don't need to pray in repetition. But yet we're teaching them. Lord, keep your hand on me. But I'm, I'm in a place where that, and, and I say in a place, not just now, but as a, as, a, as a person longing for the things of God, I no longer stay with, now I lay me down to sleep. I've got to move into an understanding. Jesus, Jesus was, uh, um, was with his disciples, and his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. And it's almost like there was a, a jealousy right there, something that, that they knew they were missing. And they said, teach us how to pray. And then he began to give the Lord's Prayer. But I'm not, I'm not just quoting the Lord's Prayer. Because every segment of the Lord's Prayer begins to give us an understanding how to approach God. God, I understand you're, in, you're our heavenly father and you're in, in, in the high places of heaven and I glorify your name, I magnify you. We enter in his courts with praise. We, we move into that place, but we don't want to stop at the outer court. We don't want to stop at the inner court. Our objective is to get into the holy of holies so that we can receive what God has for us that when we come out of the holy of holies, now we can move into a place of touching our family. A message from God through you to your friends, your family. That's where we need to go. So we need to look at the word of God. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right now. Bev, you want to come? She wants a lapel mic? Okay. We, we've got them. We have them. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see you all here today. I know we have a few people out of town today and working and things of that nature who said we really wanted to be here and to hear Tracy uh, preach. I'm so excited to have my friend with us. I'm going to do something that's quite unusual, but because we're leaving right away to take her to preach at our New Orleans campus and then taking her to the airport to fly back home, um, we, only, we won't have time after church to let you have advantage of her books. You can always order them online, tracymitchell.com, or I have them here, Downside Up, was her uh, first book that well, in recent years, <laughs> and, um, and, and it deals a lot with rejection. She has been through a tremendous amount of rejection, and that's something that everyone, including Jesus himself, 
came unto his own and his own received him not, the word says. So we all know that rejection is a thing that we all deal with from time to time. And so she has written a phenomenal book on rejection. This one is called Becoming Brave. And this one that she's offering is The Miracle of Peace. If anybody's interested in the books, I'm going to meet you in the foyer in a few minutes, even though we're going to start her right, right while she's getting started on her message, it, because we're going to pack the product up to take it back to New Orleans, uh, to our New Orleans campus. And if you're watching online and you say, hey, I want to get a, these, this ministry tools, they are life-changing. You know, we need to guard what we put into ourselves. So you need to be reading godly things. And so these books will really help you, encourage you, and great gifts for friends. Christmas is around the corner. So just letting you know um, about that. And we had a wonderful time with the ladies yesterday. And um, we so inc uh, appreciated the those that came and we know a lot would have liked to have been there and it didn't work out. But most importantly, the Holy Spirit was there. Wow. The Holy Spirit was present and he's here right now. I feel him right now. So I encourage you when she comes up here to speak in just a few moments, for you to open up your heart, be ready to receive. As we say around here all the time, place a demand on the anointing and have an expectancy because God loves you and God wants to do amazing things in your life for you and for your family. Tracy, you're a dear friend personally and a friend to this house and ministry, and we love you. Come and have your liberty here as you're ministering. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so all the, all these are 20 softback, and then these are 25. Okay. So, oh, and I will say one thing about this. We just got this in this week. Yay! That's the response, right? Yay! Susan, it's so good to see you in Holt. Thank you for coming this morning. I was looking through here, and I was a um, contributing author on here. Um, I had no idea. I'd forgotten I'd written this book. Can you imagine that? And uh, it's uh, Hank Hennegraff and O.S. Hawkins and Ann Graham Lotz and just some great, great authors. Um, and so we have that. That's new. I don't think any single person in this room has that book. Okay, are y'all ready to uh, receive the word this morning? Yes. Okay, if you say yes with enthusiasm... And throw the evangelist a few amens. I will get you out early. Amen. All right, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word that you're about to release in this house. Father, may it go deep in the hearts and minds, and may you solidify this word and confirm this word. We thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I have to say, I am so honored to be with our dear friends, Robbie and I, um, with, with Pastor Garland and, and Beverly and um, all of their children. I'm amazed, if not surprised, by uh, what God is doing through you all. I honestly can't think of a better team. You're, they're brilliant. They're innovative. They're long-suffering. Somebody say amen. They're full of grace. And most importantly, they have your heart in mind. So it's always an honor and a privilege to be with you. I want you um, to look with me this morning at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Just kind of hold your finger right there. I don't know about you, but this year I have a passion. I have a burden for getting things right. 
I don't want this to be a year where we overlook a divine opportunity. Pastor, I don't want to ignore a single instruction. I don't want to miss a miracle. I don't want to come away with heaven's manna while it's still on the table. I don't want this to be another year where we, the people of God, get so caught up in the undercurrent of the superficial that we actually miss the supernatural. And maybe it's just me, but I yearn for the weightiness of the presence of God. I am weary of the arguments and the agendas and the debates and the distractions and the infighting and the uprooting, literally, that have stolen our focus and have snatched away our strength. I believe as we're approaching the fourth quarter of 2022, I'm contending that we as the church, that we won't show up last, but that we will actually learn to show up first. We were not created to be reactionaries to the chaos of our culture, but we were designed by God to be the uh, prophetic forerunners that actually announce the agenda of the kingdom. And in case we have forgotten, that is our assignment. We're created by God to be the pace setters and, and not the trend followers. Can I say it again? We are created by God to be the pace setters and not the trend followers. We're called to step into a heavenly realm and to receive divine supernatural instructions from heaven that literally we're called to bring them back into earth to change the trajectory of our culture. And if that is true, and it is at some point, we have to do more. Our prayer lives have to shift. Our prayer lives have to consist of more than us just bringing our earthly needs towards God's throne. At some point, we actually have to go into heaven and receive divine oracles and bring those back so that we can change the course of our family's destiny to receive words that will position us to be divine carriers of a holy assignment. And I know I'm hurrying this morning, but listen... The truth is God could do everything He wants to do in 2022 without our assistance. Isn't that refreshing? That He can do everything He wants to do apart from you and I. He doesn't need our permission. But boy, pastor, does He long for our cooperation. That's been His heart cry since the first day of creation to allow us to be co-laborers with His creative acts. You know what the Bible is? It is 6,000 years of history where God would beckon in every generation, in every culture, in every age demographic. He would beckon men and women to come on board and be a part of His divine assignment. It's a historical account of God inviting men and women of every generation to be a part of His prophetic plan. God is calling us higher so much higher. But the truth is, He doesn't reveal those insider secrets to those who will settle for status quo. He doesn't reveal those insider secrets to those who aren't listening, but His eyes go to and from in the earth looking for someone, I believe sometimes anyone, that will actually hear His voice, that will have an ear to hear what God is saying in our generation. Anytime God was ready to do something in the earth, 
he would try to involve humanity. When God was ready to, re uh, uh, to uh, what's a good word, to, um, to reinvent the earth. That sounds a lot better than destroy the earth with a flood, right? When God was ready to renovate the earth, he looked out and was trying to find someone who he could partner with, someone that he could show his plan to, someone that he could show, hey, I know you may not understand it all right now. He called to Noah, his son, who was walking in righteousness. You know that God is looking for sons and daughters who are present tense, walking in righteousness. He's looking for sons and daughters who are walking in a holy manner. And I know that's not a popular word in our culture, but God is looking for men and women who are ascribing their life, who are committing their life to live on a totally different level of holiness. And God looks for holy people, for men and women who are living in a righteous way. And he looked out to Noah and he said, look, I know that you're not going to understand this whole plan. How many of you know that God is inviting us to be parts of plans that we can't even understand the wholeness? We can't even see uh, the big picture of it. And he looked at Noah and he said, I know that you're not going to understand the entire plan. He said, but I need you. I need you to trust what I'm about to tell you. I know you've never seen an ark. I know you're not a craftsman. I know you're not an architect. I know you've never seen it rain. He said, I just want to know one thing. He said, are you willing to be a part of a plan that you can't even understand? This year, he's asking us the same question. Like he asked Noah, are you all in or are you not? Are you willing to say yes or are you not? Can I show you? plans that I can't show anyone else or can I not when God wanted to create change in the earth when he wants to do something miraculous you know he's so impassionate about involving each and every one of us God doesn't want his children to be far away spectators and in an arena somewhere he doesn't want us seated as spectators in the stands he doesn't want us on the bench. He's calling us to get off the bench and into the game. And He wants to hear the commentators of heaven announce our name and number. And God actually wants you and I in the starting lineup in 2022. In 2022, He's inviting us to experience His power and His presence in a new dimension but we will never carry out that commission if we're weighted down in our carnality, if we're swept away by our doubts, if we're blindsided by our distractions, or we're actually remain cast down in a pit of discouragement. I personally believe that God is through with seasons, that God now is moving in dimensions. And if we pay close attention, God's not. He's changed His calendar. He's changed His, His prophetic clock. And we're not just dealing with seasons anymore. But for those who are willing to hear the, the, the pulse of what God is saying, He's moving us into new dimensions. This year He's calling us into dimensions that we've never been in before. And that's more than slick Christianese phraseology. I believe those words with all of my heart. 
that God has a divine, supernatural, prophetic alarm clock. And He's awaking us to the sound of His voice. He's calling us higher, higher than the cares of this life that have whitewashed our faith. Higher so that we will have strength to possess the gates of our enemy. Higher into places, and I personally believe this for my life, He's telling me I'm taking you to places where your enemies cannot follow. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that dimension, literally where it is closed, it is sealed off, to where the enemies of my life that are assigned to my life, that they literally cannot follow. He's calling us higher than powers and principalities. And you may be saying, well, that sounds well and good, but I need more than kingdom rhetoric this morning. I live in a real world and I have real world problems and, and maybe that's just part of the issue. Right? Maybe in 2020 and 2021, we went and we hit the pause button and we put to sleep some audacious dreams. Right? Maybe if you were to grab your, your prayer journal and begin to compare what you were contending for in 2018 or 2019 before 2020 happened and you began to compare it with the dreams that you're living today, how did those dreams stack up or, or do they? You know, for the most part, when we entered this new phase of 2020, a lot of churches, I know not this one, but I'm just going to speak this apostolically in a way for just a minute. We shelved the ideas of claiming our cities and we retreated to our comfortable couches. Anyone at all? We stopped claiming and we started coping and our focus went from kingdom to culture and, and, the, and the process we lost our appetite for the supernatural we stopped hungering for things that we could not see and things that we could not explain and we pushed back from the table of the supernatural and we pulled up a chair to what was predictable. And throughout church history, that seems to be the pattern of God's people that during adversity, that for whatever reason, that God's people would drop their dreams. They would abandon their assignments and they would retreat into obscurity. And as I was searching out a verse for this year, 2022, which I rarely do, it's not even in my spiritual DNA to, to hinge a verse on a year, but at the turn of this new year, I got awoke, awakened me from my spiritual slumber. How many of you know that you can be preaching for 25 years and grow weary and fall into spiritual slumber? And so I was asking God, I said, God, awaken my soul in a way that you never have before. And as I was searching for a verse, I said, God, I need a verse. And in 2022, I need you to show me something that I've not seen before. God, magnify your word. And as I was reading through the sticky pages of Revelation, anyone else? I mean, two places I don't typically open to are the book of Job. Anybody else? in the book of Revelation. And yet I found myself in the book of Revelation. In just a moment, I'll read that verse, not yet, but in 4 and verse 1. And as I was leading up to chapter 4, I was reading about where God uh, was talking to John about the condition, about the status of the church. And in chapter 3, God is unpacking the condition of the church and He had highlighted everything the churches were doing right and the church things the churches weren't doing well yet. 
And it's suddenly as if God changes the conversation. How many of you have, would admit that you've ever been in a conversation with God or the Holy Spirit and you feel like you're doing really well. You're like finally tracking with what God is giving you. And you're on the same page. And then it's as if God abruptly changes the conversation. And you're left over here where God was a few minutes ago. And God all of a sudden is talking in a totally different dimension. And you're trying to keep up with what God is saying or what God is doing. And so this was the case as we turn the, the chapter from chapter 3 to chapter 4, I'm going to read you this one verse and I'm going to hinge my time with you this morning on this. God changes the conversation. He begins to show John those things in a heavenly realm that those in the earthly realm could not. In 4 and verse 1, it says two of my favorite words. It says, and after this, aren't you so thankful? I mean, I could just preach on those two words. For weeks, two powerful words, and after this. Do you know that God always has an after this? After the chaos, after the confusion, after the monotony, after all the things God always has, and after this, that brings us hope, that gives us enthusiasm, that God isn't done, God's not finished, that there's still more to come, and he said, and after this, he said, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and a voice speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what happens next. Don't you love that? He said, come up here and I will show you what happens next. Let me give it to you in another translation so maybe some of you will shout with me. For in verse one, then I looked and oh, he said, a door open in heaven and a trumpet voice calling out. He said, ascend and enter, and I will show you what happens next. Yeah. Imagine the holy awe of being called up, given the holy invitation to stand in the heavenly realm and to be given insider information on what God is going to do next. God called to John just like he's calling to our generation. And he said, John, he said, I know there's been a lot of chaos. I know there's been a lot of confusion. I know there is a long list of the things the church hasn't gotten right yet. He said, John, but never forget for those who are willing to come up higher. He he said there is a door in a heavenly realm and it is standing wide open. He said if you'll awaken from your lethargy, he said if you'll listen to my voice, if you'll lay aside the distractions, turn off CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and turn off your Hulu and your Netflix and get alone with me for just a little bit. He said, if you'll stop pursuing your dreams and rediscover mine, if you'll answer the request to come up higher, he said, I have a door standing before you. And I love it. He said, you're not going to have to knock on it. You're not going to have to take the hinges off of it. You're not going to have to push it open. He said, there is a door in a heavenly realm, and it is present tense. It is standing wide open. He said, on the other side of the door is the instruction on what you're to do next. He said, all you have to do is ascend and enter. 
and the things that have been sealed up will be opened and the things that have been locked will supernaturally be released. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Listen, I know it's 9 a.m. It is for me too. Listen, for the most part, we have lost our divine anticipation. Trauma has morphed our dreams and we are no longer, I'm talking about the church as a whole, we are no longer hungry for epic, undeniable moves of God where signs and wonders are the common, not the exception. In 2022, where is our hunger for the supernatural, for things that we cannot see, things that we cannot explain, things that previous generations would long to have experienced? Where is our hunger? You know, my childhood was probably different than most of yours, and I really hope that it was in so many ways. But after we left Alabama, I went to um, a little tiny town called Hopewell, Virginia, and I lived in trailer number eight, right? I look like a trailer number eight girl, right? Trailer number eight, that was my, my place. And I remember that year because uh, the kids in the neighborhood, now I'm not this old, it wasn't the originals, but we had been watching blockbuster films of of Robin Hood and, and Star Wars. And because we had been watching those blockbuster um, movies, we were convinced that somewhere along the muddy banks of the Appomattox River, that somewhere in our backyard, in that forest, that there was actually a kingdom. And so we would take our little Etch-a-Sketch, anybody that old? And we would create these little mystery maps and we would carve out these paths and from daylight into nightfall, we would, we would trace these paths looking for the kingdom. But after a few weeks of looking for the kingdom, an interesting thing happened. Our anticipation of discovering the kingdom began to wane. And the holy excitement of finding something significantly larger than ourselves it began to fade. And that uh, rush of adrenaline, that driving force, that, that wild pursuit of discovery, all of a sudden all that pent-up excitement began to turn to frustration because we were suddenly haunted by a kingdom that we could not find. Wow. And our anticipation turned cold. And so we abandoned the search for the kingdom and replaced it with the resolve to build our own. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Our anticipation because we couldn't find this mysterious kingdom. Because we couldn't find the power that was associated with the kingdom. Our energy went from the quest of something majestic to constructing something that was tangible. And we replaced the dream of a celestial kingdom for one that we could build, one that we could touch, one that we could bring our friends to. In our eight-year-old minds, we took on the title of Supreme Architect. And when I look back at those faded photographs, I think of how foolish we must look. Because through frustration, we created an illusion of what we were sure the kingdom would look like. And we substituted cotton sheets for concrete and sticks for steel and branches became bridges and dirt rocks became diamonds and our frustration left us comfortable with what was convenient. And my greatest fear for the next generation 
Is it through frustration we will humanize what is holy? That we will take our resources and we will build a lesser vision? That we will create many kingdoms where we are self-made monarchies? That we will become so comfortable with the superficial that we no longer cling to the supernatural? When you get home, I pray that you take out your prayer journal or that you go into your prayer closet wherever it is that you pray and that you seek the face of God. And I pray that your eyes will find a fresh look at what you're actually being praying for. That there will be things in your prayer journal that your mind can't comprehend. That your finances and your money cannot make happen. That there will be things on that list that are so radical, so God-inspired that you don't even share them with your prayer partner or some of you even with your spouses. I believe especially in the American churches, that we should take a long, hard look at our vision board. I think beside the numeric growth that we all need and we all cry out for, that there should be a list of how many blinded eyes we want to see open this year, how many dead people that we want to see come back to life, how many drug addicts that we want to see delivered, and how many undeniable miracles that we are contending for to happen in our houses. Trust me, a few months ago I tweeted this. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, Tracy, he said, you're approaching a season where it's going to require you to quiet your soul. I can't fully explain the measure of what that statement was, but I knew that the measure of the miracles that we will experience will be linked to the time that we spend on our face in holy surrender because here it is. We don't have the strength within ourselves to carry out God's next move. The power of what is coming is too heavy to be carried in the arms of carnality. We won't be conceived the glory of what is coming. It cannot be conceived in compromise. It won't be born without birth pains and it won't be delivered by those who deny His power like any prophetic move of God. It is strategic. It is sacred. It is sovereign. And it's going to be reserved for those who will pay a price and come up higher and see what is next. In the age that we're living, we cannot afford to lose our kingdom wonder. We cannot afford to lose our kingdom wonder. We can't afford to miss the signs that point to His prophetic promises. A few months ago, I was driving through Dallas, and I think, I think it's on my PowerPoint, a sign that said Houston. And as I was driving, I kind of laughed to myself because I know that in the natural that, that if I were to take that exit, that, that that's not Houston. Because Houston is about 239 miles that is south of Dallas. And I thought, well, to the average eye, that's a little misleading. But the sign wasn't actually inferring that if I take that exit, that that would be Houston. 
That sign was a reminder that there was a city south of me that with my natural eyes, I couldn't see a city that was 239 miles south of me. The sign was a reminder to those who were looking to go to Houston that if you had a, if it was in your mind or it was in your soul to go to Houston, that that was the exit that you would need to take. You know, the truth is we don't need signs if we already know where we're going. And I think that's the problem with most churches is that we have lost our, our, our wonder and we've lost the ability to long for signs. Why? Because we already know where we're going. Maybe that's the reason that we keep doing the same things with the same people and yielding for the same results because we've lost our hunger for signs and things that make us wonder. Be assured in this generation, our children and especially our grandchildren, we need the signs of the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed them before. The next generation is, is looking for signs, but they're looking for signs in a secular venue. They're attracted to the occult like never before. And I promise you, it is our responsibility to create an undying thirst for signs. And things that make us wonder. I was praying this year and I stumbled upon a prayer by Job. Job 34, 32, Job prayed this prayer. He said, teach me what I do not see. Teach me what I do not see. Pastor Bev, that's been my prayer for this year. God, teach me what I do not see. It's interesting. The moment that we think that we know what God is doing, the moment that we think we have a handle on what God is wanting to do, you know what He does? He, he in, intentionally pivots and goes a different direction. He chooses to do the unlikely through the unpredictable, but many times our spiritual myopia keeps us tethered to normal and we miss the supernatural. If you have myopia, which I do, it means you can see two to three feet in front of you. Right? I can see clear two to three feet in front of me. But across the room, in the back of the room, I can't see anything. Why? It's not that it's not there, but there's been a bend in how I see things. There's a bend. It distorts my focus. And so I, uh, I guess it's been more than a few months now, but during 2020, like most of you, I decided to get things off my checklist because I had a lot of free time. And so in 2020, I thought, well, this is a good opportunity to get my vision checked, right? And so I went to, a, to an optometrist that I'd never been to before, one that I didn't know him, he didn't know me, I'd never been to his office before. And so I remember I went and I, I sat in that chair and he placed those ugly four opters in front of my eyes. How many of you know that's not an Instagram moment? That's not a selfie moment? And he placed those ugly four opters in front of my eyes. And Bev, the first thing out of his mouth, he said, Oh, I see you're Irish. And I pushed back and I, I had to seriously in a minute consider, is this guy a doctor or is he a stalker? Because my ethnicity was not on that chart and he didn't know anything about me. And I thought... What do you in the world? What do you mean I'm Irish? I said, How do you know that? 
I said, my ethnicity is not on the chart. He said, I can tell your heritage by the shape of your iris. He said, I can tell your history. I can tell your heritage. He said, your history is responsible for shaping your vision. I said, what? He said, I, one look. He said, I can tell your history. It's in your DNA. And so I did what every good research journalist did. Pastor Garland, I went home and I Googled it. I wanted to know if he was telling the truth. And I found that there are over 2,000 genes that are involved in the development of the iris. That's the reason now that you're not opening your phone with your fingerprint. Why? Because the imprint of your iris. That's the reason you have to turn your, your phone 50,000 ways to unlock it because it is more predictable than your fingerprints. What's my point? If we're not mindful, there are things in our spiritual heritage. Please hear this that have bent the iris of our faith, that is conditioned, if not limited, our ability that we can see things that are right in front of us, but have limited the things that God has in our future. One of the things that I love about Abraham, out of all of the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith heroes, is that Abraham was able to see generations deep. He didn't have spiritual myopia. He couldn't just see two to three feet in front of him. But he was able to see generations deep. Let me ask you, who's shaping your spiritual focus? Who's shaping your vision? Is it maybe people? Is it probably people? Or is it true prophetic people? Because the wrong perspective will always leave you in fear rather than faith. How you're conditioned to see will determine what you miss. Can I say that again? That's so powerful to me. How you're conditioned to see will determine not just what you see, but actually what you might miss. Wow. When Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, I had two powerful women quote this verse in the day that we spent together yesterday. And really, it's, a, it's not a, a verse that you quote often, it's kind of one of those verses that's just there, but it's not one that most people can quote. And so, Pastor, when they read that verse, both of them, we'd had no prior conversations, and it was already in my notes. I was blown away by the fact that God has given us the same verse, not once, not twice, but the significance from three different women read in multiple translations, not knowing that the other would read it. When Paul wrote to the, to the church of Ephesus, I mean, let's just stop right there. Can you imagine knowing that, that the Apostle Paul, the apostolic general of the Bible, is going to send your church a letter? Can you imagine with fear and trepidation? Can you imagine? No, you open it. No, you open it. No, you open it. No, you open it. I'm not opening it. I'm not, you read it first. You tell me if it's good, then you read it to me. If it's not good, I don't even want to hear it. But with a fear and trepidation of knowing that the Apostle Paul had a letter headed to your church. And so Paul wrote him. 
And I mean, what do you say to a church who's really doing everything right? You read about the church of Ephesus. It's one of the, the only churches where Paul gave little, little correction to, right? That's the kind of church I want to be, little correction to. They were known for publicly contending with the occult, which resulted in satanic emblems and symbols being destroyed in their culture. See, I have a thing with churches that say, oh, we're, we're in this move of God. We're in this great revival. But when I look at their city, the occult is actually thriving more than it ever has before. See, true revival, you're going to usurp. You're going you're gonna to undo the works of the occult in your city. And so the church of Ephesus is known as one of the greatest revival churches in the entire Bible because they were usurping the power of their cult and their generation and their city. And some of the greatest miracles that happened in the entire Bible happened in Ephesus. And I mean, again, what do you say to a church who's in chronic revival state, who's doing almost everything right, who is dethroning the power of the occult. And I love what Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 and 17 that's been read all weekend. Paul said, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Let me paraphrase that. Paul said, you're doing great. You're doing well. He said, you're doing better than most churches could ever imagine. Paul said, but there's still more. He said, there is so much more. Then Paul invited them to come up higher, to gain revelation of things they had not seen, to have insight and wisdom on things that were to come. I mean, throughout church history, we all know, most of us do, about revivals that turn nations upside down. That's what I'm contending for. Give us a spirit of revival that turns nations upside down. We've read about the Welsh revival and Azusa Street revival and the evangelical revivals. But here's the truth. For revival to be sustainable, it must also be accompanied by a spirit of revelation. Hear me. It's wonderful to say, Holy Spirit, welcome do what you want to do. And that's wonderful. But we need a spirit of revelation yeah. to safeguard ourselves. Yes, to know who's going to help me and who's going to hurt me. To have discernment to know. And for you Bible scholars, you know that the word revelation means to take the veil off. It means to lift the lid. Yeah. But can I tell you the measure of the anointing that we personally operate in reveals the measure of the anointing that we actually live in every single day, not just at the turn of the new year, not just during revival week, but we have to get to that place to where individually, every day we rise above the noise, we ascend above the chaos, we step into a heavenly realm, and we actually come away with divine supernatural instructions. The next dimension is going to require that we are in total synchronicity with the Holy Spirit. Come on. I want everyone to follow me do this. Just do a little snap. See, that's good right there. See, you're better than most churches. You're about two snaps in and you're already in sync. The enemy knowing that he has a short time. There was something 
significant multiple things that happened in 2020. And one of the things that there was an unleashing of divine chaos that sought to divide, to strip away the unity and the synchronicity that the church at large globally was in. Because he knew if he can ever get us on different pages, if he can ever get us ununified, if he can ever get us in disharmony with each other, that immediately he will take the source of our power. It's amazing when you think about the Tower of Babel, the thing that made it so influential and so powerful. It says they were all in one mind like the, new, like the church and, and the upper room. They were in one mind, one accord. They were building together in complete unison. And it's crazy that, that a culture that was pagan in the roots, they didn't know God, they, but they, yet they were in unity. And they were able to build such a profound structure that God looked from heaven and He said, look, hey, whatever they have a mind to do, they're going to accomplish it. And we have to go down and we have to create a divine disruption. Come on. A divine disruption to stop the works of evil men. How much more so if we as a church were on the same page and there was holy unison and Holy synchronicity. If our assignment is to change the course of culture, and I believe that it is, we're going to have to have strategies that supersede earthly wisdom, plan that man cannot control, blueprints that are actually born out of our prayer closets, and solutions that come from living very sacrificial lives. You know, it's easy to stop contending for the prophecies and rely on solutions when there's a prophetic gap between the time that God gives a prophetic word and we see the manifestation of that word, it's so easy to slip into strategies and stray away from what God is calling us to do. Right. How many of you would admit that you've been contending for a prophecy for more than five years? Raise your hand. There's been something, maybe, how about 10 years? Maybe 20 years, right? And it's so easy. Some of you know what it feels like because there have been words that you've actually held on to for decades. And if for no other reason God brought me here all the way from wherever I've been to bring me here for no other reason, I promise you God has not forgotten you. God still has your address. Do you know that when God gives a prophetic word, it doesn't just get lost in time somewhere. It doesn't just get suspended up there and... God, oh, oh, too much time has gone by. I'm going to rescind that prophetic word. No, it doesn't work that way. I promise you that if it's a true prophecy from God, it may be tearing longer than what you imagined. It may be taking more time than what you thought. But I'm telling you that God still has your answer coming. He still has your miracle on His mind. Some of you... We've become at times victims of our own prophecy. How many of you know what that means? Elijah gave a prophetic word that for three, three and a half years it wasn't going to rain. He became a victim of his own prophetic word. He had to go sit by a brook somewhere. It didn't rain. He had to go sit by a brook. It wasn't just this little rain cloud that went over Elijah, but not everybody else. No, when the heavens were shut up, the heavens were shut up. And he's sitting there and, and I believe, I can't theologically prove it, but you can't disprove it, so pastor, I'm going to say it. <laughs> right? 
I believe that maybe that little cloud off the horizon had been waiting there for all that three and a half years. I believe that that little cloud had began gathering moisture, that it was right in the position, and that little cloud was right there just waiting on Elijah to give the word the entire time. I mean, go back into that text. Watch the, the, the order. It's a three-part order. It said Elijah, he had to ascend the mountain. He had to come up higher. He had to come up into a heavenly realm. Elijah wasn't concerned with all the horizontal rhetoric. What do you think? What is God saying? What do you mean? What do you... No, God, Elijah went up on the mountain. He went up higher. It said he made the sacrifice and he prayed the prayer. Do you know that God didn't need Elijah to pray the prayer to make it rain? But God looked at Elijah and he said, how would you like to be the one that prays the prayer that makes it rain? I want to be that Elijah in my, in my era, in my culture, in my generation where God can look down at me and said, Tracy Mitchell, how would you like to be the one that prays the prayer that makes it? How are our prayer lives? One man said one prayer and a famine became a flood. Yeah. A famine according to His Word. Yeah. He prayed one prayer and a famine became a flood. Years ago I heard about a church that we're home folks. I'm just going to say it like it was. Every church in their region was dying but theirs was thriving. Right? Theirs weren't just dwindling. It was dying. And so they were seeing amazing moves of the Holy Spirit. Hundreds were being saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. They were seeing physical healings, manifestations, signs, wonders, financial miracles. And I was so young. I was so green. I, I really, I mean, I should have even been preaching then, barely now. And I, I really thought there was a formula. And I, I mean, literally, I wanted to know what the formula was, truly. And so I met and I was at lunch with some elders of the church and I was so young, again, looking for that formula. What are you doing? Where are you taking your people? Who are you listening to? What books are you reading? Who are you having in to preach? And one of the board members over lunch said, I don't know that we're really doing anything different. He said, but consistently, he said, decade after decade, he said, he said we're, we're praying out of the book of prophecy. And I said, the book of prophecy, I said, what's that? What's the ISBN number? How can I get a hold of it? I need the book. I need I'll buy hundreds of copies. How, what's the book? And he said, oh, it's not actually a book. I said, you just told me it was a book. What do you mean it's not a book? He said, actually, it's more like a ledger. He said, since the formation, the foundation of our church, I don't know if it was 90, 100 years, it was a long time. He said, we have kept a ledger of every undeniable prophecy that was made over our church. And he said, for generations now, he said, we've kept a ledger, he said, of every undeniable prophecy that's been made. And he said, we, we copied it, we reproduced it. And he said, for generations, he said, we have been praying over the book of prophecy. And he said, we've not fallen into the trap of going with the latest trend. Then yeah. he said, it's not that we've not incorporated modern technology. He said, we have. 
He said, but we've kept the main thing, the main thing. And he said, everything we do goes back to the vision of the assignment. You know, I think somehow, and maybe you've heard me tell this little story again, but I want to tell it in a different way, that somehow that we bought into the idea that we can't be innovative and spirit-led. Right, that we have to choose one or the other, that they're opposite or imposing. And can I tell you that they're not? Because God is the source of all innovation. He is the source of all technology. God, He is the source of progression and innovation. And we don't have to choose. It's not an entree that we have to choose from. We can be innovative and be spirit-led. I'll give you an example. If you'll put my cute little granddaughter, somehow she's made it into every PowerPoint for the last five years. Okay, I want to hear some sound effects. Oh, that's what I thought. She's adorable. You can take her down so I won't look at her. I'll be distracted. But when she was, uh, she was about two there and she had, uh, she had grown up using a particular version of the iPhone, right? Her dad's iPhone. And she knew exactly where all of her apps were. She knew exactly where everything was. And so she calls it her most tragical moment. When she was two, tragical, it was tragical. Because her dad bought a new iPhone, and so they upgraded the operating system. And so she didn't have that little button at the bottom, and so she kept coming to her father and, Daddy, your phone is broken, your phone is broken. I don't know what you did, but your phone is broken. And I can tell those who have grandchildren, those who don't. It's broken. And he said, baby, it's not, it's not broken, he said. And he started to tell her that there was an upgraded operating system. But, I mean, she's intelligent. But how do you explain to an even intelligent two-year-old that there is an upgraded operating system on the phone? And, and so he kept saying, no, baby, it's not broken. It's just a new way of doing it. No, it's broken. He said, baby, if you'll just calm down. That's her father. If you'll just calm down and come sit by me, he said, I'll show you how to get to your stuff. And so he patiently began to show her the steps. He said, if you'll just do what daddy's doing, I'll show you how to master the upgrade. And in a similar way, I think the last two and a half years, we've come to our Heavenly Father with the same complaint. Going, Daddy, I don't know if you know this or not, but your world is broken. Your world is broken. I can't find my stuff. I can't get to my stuff like I once could. Somebody hijacked it. My button is missing and I know that I'm supposed to have access to it, but I, I, I can't navigate. Somebody hijacked the operating system. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father is saying, if you'll just calm down, if you'll just calm down and come up here and sit by me, I'll show you how to access your stuff. He's saying in the middle of chaos, I'm going to show you a side of me that you have never seen before. See, there are, are seasons and now we have dimensions where God is going to show us a side of him that we have never been, seen before. And we have the choice. Are we going to continue to live in the outdated operating system? 
that is absolutely broken, that is no longer working, or will we arise and come up to the place? God said, I've got a door in a heavenly realm, and there is a solution. There are answers. I'm going to give you revelation on what is next. He said, if you'll stop telling me how broken everything is, if you'll just come up here and sit by me, I'll show you what is next. How many of you know there is a prophetic order to everything? Right? It would be absurd for Elizabeth and Zechariah to have given birth to John the Baptist a hundred years before the birth of Jesus or a hundred years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because from his mother's womb, John the Baptist was created. He was predestined to be the forerunner of the Messiah. So his destiny was from his mother's womb. And can I tell you, so is ours. You may not discern that truth yet, but from the formation of your mother's womb, there are prophetic assignments that are on the inside of you. But there is a temptation in seasons of barrenness to birth things in our own strength, right? If we were just to unpack, we don't have time, but the powerful women of Scripture, it's a statistical anomaly for all of the women who were designed by God to give birth to prophetic sons, you know, they all had one thing. They all had barren wombs. Sarah, Elizabeth, Hannah, Rachel, the mother of Samson, they all had one familiar thread that was woven through their stories. They were barren women who were called by God to give birth to prophetic sons, but they had to endure barren seasons. And God shut down their wombs and their seed. Why? Not because God was judging them, but because God was reserving them for something prophetic. See, sometimes we'll be in those seasons where everything on the right and left is shut down. Why? So we don't birth things in our own strength. There are times that God says, look, I I know you want me to use you. And I know that you can see generations deep. And I know that you understand what I am futuristically going to do. But that time is not yet. See, these were women who were called to conceive, carry, and deliver prophetic children who would change the course of history. Can I say it again? They were called to conceive, to carry and deliver prophetic children who were going to change the course of history. I told a pastor this week, I said, if you were to give me the option of pastoring, and I mean this with all of my heart, 10,000 average people, or you were to give me 250 special ops, who were created by God to be prophets, priests, kings, and warriors. Baby, I'm taking the prophets, priests, kings, and warriors. Why, I am not interested in conceiving, caring, or delivering average. I want to know that in my spiritual womb that God has called us to deliver prophets, priests, kings, and warriors. And that's hard when unholy women and unholy people And unholy churches are giving birth to everything all around us. But listen, I'm at the place... I will cheerlead you. I will support you. I will coach you. I will be your spiritual midwife. And I can honestly say you're not going to find a bigger any one of those 
anywhere because I, you know, I cheer you, I applaud you, I celebrate you. But I'm at the place, really, in my own life where it doesn't matter how big the business deal is. It doesn't matter how lucrative the book deal is. The size of the stage and the size of the platform and the size of the reach, none of those things move me anymore. I want to know one thing. It's what I'm carrying holy. It's what I'm carrying carnal or is it holy? Is my spiritual womb reserved for a legacy that will change nations? I know in our culture it's easy naturally and spiritually to fall into the trap of comparison. But listen, if you're really called your church or your business has a divine seal on it, and if you're designed to be a part of the last day harvest, which you are, to see the demonstration, the power of God, that imitations will not satisfy you. Hear me, it may grow their church, it may grow their business, but if you have a divine prophetic seal on your life, and that God is going to use you in a supernatural way, then imitations won't satisfy prepackaged sermons and a box, franchise church in a box. It may grow their house, but it will destroy a prophetic house. Right. I believe that something supernatural happened J1 of this year. January 1, I personally believe that God said, I, that's enough. And He began to systematically reveal and shut the door on things that have been rooted in the superficial, the imitation. And He began to close doors. You know, in this generation we're living, we have to have our identity securely rooted in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. If you're marked by God, you will always be pursued by supernatural forces. As much as I wished I couldn't say it, there'll never be a day in your life where your future and your soul are not being fought over. Ever. When I was 10, I, I told you that I was living in a trailer park near a uh, federal penitentiary. When you live in trailer number eight and you're near a federal penitentiary, you don't have a lot of visitors coming to your house. And so I remember that my job as a 10-year-old, bored out of my mind, living at the end of a gravel dirt road, the highlight of my day was going to check the mail. How many of you know what a Blue's Clues mailbox is? We had a mailbox that was about that big at the end of the trailer park, and my job was to get on my little bike and go up that gravel road and go through those hundreds of pieces of mail and take out anything that had our last name on or anything I wanted to hijack, amen? And so I remember I took the mail home and bored 10-year-old, and I was flipping through the magazine, and I think it was the first time that I ever felt righteous indignation, right? Many of you can remember that. And I was 10 and I saw a picture in this magazine that was of a bearded man who was holding out a crucifix and impaled on that crucifix was a large frog. And the caption at the, end of that, at the bottom of that picture, it said, He died for your sins. Then I was livid. A 10-year-old, I'm like, how dare you ascribe my Savior to a frog that is impaled on a cross and place the caption, he died for your sins at the bottom of that. And so it's before the internet, and so I, that's how old I am, it was before the internet, it's okay, breathe. And so I cut that picture out, and I went in the 10 by 10 of my bedroom, and I placed that picture on my bulletin board. And a few months later, there was a knock at our trailer door. 
And for whatever reason, they let the stranger in and they came to my room and they said, hey, there's, a, there's somebody here that wants to meet you. They didn't tell me who it was. They said, do you want to come out and, and meet them? And I was like, sure. I was a bored 10-year-old and I came out and there sitting on my couch was that bearded man who was in that photograph. And my heart literally dropped to my stomach. And the only thing that went through my mind was how in the world did you find me? Trust me, it doesn't matter in this room today if you are seven or if you're 107. If you are marked by God for His purposes, there are always two kingdoms that are coming for you. The kingdom of darkness and God's kingdom, they will seek you out. They will pursue you. And I'm telling you as a warning that we're living in a culture that you have to discern ever the more so who's pursuing you and what their motive is. David, a little shepherd boy, I won't go into it, but David, a little shepherd boy. I mean, imagine a little shepherd boy and then all of a sudden you have kings and prophets that are coming to your house. And they're both telling you, they see over your life that you're destined for the kingdom. And the truth was, David was destined for the kingdom. But you have to be very careful about the motives of those who see where God is taking you. Amen? You better know what the motives is behind those who are calling you. And especially for those of you who've lived in obscurity, spiritual obscurity is what I've called it. And all of a sudden you're seeing breakthroughs and people are calling you and they're wanting a part of what's in you. And what is the motive behind why they're pursuing what's on the inside of you? When God met Moses out in the desert, He gave him the holy assignment. Let me rephrase that. He gave him the holy invitation. How many of you know that assignments are invitations? He gave him the holy invitation of leading three and a half million people out of the wilderness. I mean, four decades, 40 years, Moses had done the same, had had the same monotonous routine. Can you imagine? Wake the sheep up, water the sheep, feed the sheep, deflee the sheep, defend the sheep, put the sheep to bed. Try saying that ten times. I mean, just thinking about his life is monotonous. Not just for a month, not just for a year, but for four decades. He did the same thing and then God gives him this holy invitation to work in a supernatural realm, to do something different than what he was accustomed to doing. And so when he met with Moses, Moses was shocked when he discovered the realm of the supernatural that was actually connected to the assignment. See, so often we want an assignment. Oh, go deliver the people, but... We don't, we don't realize the gravity of the supernatural realm and the supernatural forces that we're going to have to deal with in order to see the three and a half million people delivered. Yeah. And so he begins to get a taste of what it was like to work in a new realm. And Moses begins excuses. God, don't you know? I don't know whose address you got, but you're at the wrong address. I'm out here on a murder rap. Don't you... God says, I know who you are. More importantly, I know who I created you to be. More, I, I don't know why you're out here in the desert for four decades. 
I have a prophetic assignment on your life and you've been hiding for 40 years. God begins to give him a taste of working with the supernatural and Moses said, nope, I'm good. I'm good with sheep. He begins this internal dialogue of why he was unqualified and why God couldn't use him. We don't have time to unpack it today. I've got about six or seven minutes left. But God began to show him. He said, Moses, he said, if you'll just start following me, he said, I already have a man that I'm sending your way who will teach you how to flow in a realm that you've never flowed before. I'll teach you. I, I know your history. I know your DNA. I, I've seen every facet of your life. And I know that the realm that I'm calling to you to is making you apprehensive that you're not comfortable with this level of... He said, but I'm sending you someone who will teach you how to flow in a realm that you've never flowed before he said Moses it's not going to be easy it's going to make you uncomfortable he said I've just got one question Moses are you in or are you not are you in or are you out and I think that's a big question for someone who's carved out a comfortable life I mean really why would we risk messing things up why the wild pursuit of to go back maybe of, of some things or people that we've left or risk our lives for people we don't even know? Moses said, look, I don't even know how to follow you this way. And God said, Moses, if you'll just start walking. He said, if you'll follow me. He said, you'll go from keeping sheep to commanding kings. You'll go from keeping sheep to commanding kings. I don't know who that word is for today, but God is going to transition us and these seasons of, of dimensions out of these secular seasons who are doing the same things and into dimensions where He said, I'm literally, you're going to go from keeping sheep to commanding kings. I'll close with this story. If I've shared it here, I'm sorry. I felt to share it this morning as I was in my hotel room praying. My friend Rosemary Green, I think what you know, Pastor Bev. I was living in Arkansas and she called me and she said, uh, do you have five minutes? And I said, Rosemary, I'm really busy. I really don't have five minutes. She said, would you take five minutes and trust me? And I said, okay. And she patched in a lady named Dorothy who was living in the CD subculture, the south side of Chicago. And she began to tell me her story. She said a few months ago, Dr. Tracy, she, and that's what she was calling me. She said, I... Uh, she said, I had been contending for God to do one thing, and that was uh, for God to move our, our family. She said, I'm a single mom, divorced single mom. And she said, I have a couple of children. And she said, we're living in a very high crime area. And she said, I've been planting my seed. I've been believing. She said, I work at the church. I'm an intercessor at the church. And she said, I've been contending that God would somehow create a miracle for us to move into a safe place where I could leave my children for a few hours and, and as I finish up my jobs and know that they would be safe and know that they would be able to go to a better school system. And she said that Sunday a few months ago when I left church, she said I came up and I laid my seed on the altar. She said I put God in remembrance of His promises and how I'd served Him all these years faithfully. You know, sometimes it's just good to put God in remembrance. It's not that He's forgotten, but to put God in remembrance. She said, I had my sister watch my children, and I just began to get in my car, and I just began to drive and began to pray, and the Holy Spirit began to pray. And I, she said, I was caught up.
How many of you in here just got in a car and just began to drive and caught up not even paying attention to where you were going and this predated GPS days and she said I was in my car just driving and she said about two two and a half hours later she said it's as if I came to and she said I noticed the gas gauge she said was right, right below the red the bottom not the top now come on now not the top of the red line but the bottom of the red line and she says, as it was after I just came to, and she said, I noticed I was in a neighborhood I'd never been in before. And she said, again, no GPS. And she said, I didn't have a map and didn't know where I was. And she said, I had to find a fueling station. She said, I, I pulled in this little cul-de-sac, parked my car, and she said, I looked at the left-hand side of the road. There was this house, and it was in a middle to upper, lower affluent neighborhood. And she said, I felt comfortable in that area. And she said, I got out of my car. And she said, I went and knocked on the door. And she said, took a few steps back. And this little elderly man came and answered the door and said, uh, hi, may I help you? She said, sir, I don't mean to bother you. But she said, I I'm lost. And if you can just draw me a map, I'm going to be on my way. I'm going to be out of your way. And he said, oh, no, please. And he called for his wife. And he said, if you'll just come in. He said, my wife will make you a glass of sweet tea and uh, I'll sit down and draw your map. It's going to take a bit to get you out of here, but I'll show you. And he said, if you don't mind asking, how uh, do you live close? How, what are you, and I'm, what's she going to say? I'm, I've been praying in the Holy Ghost for two and a half hours, and I have no idea where I am. And she said, oh, well, I, I came from church. He looked at his watch, and he said, oh, from church? She said, yes, sir, I've just been driving in my car just praying. He said, oh, you're a believer. She said, yes, sir, I'm, I'm a real good, I'm a good, good believer. And he said, oh, come in. He said, we'll fix you the tea. And 10 minutes turned into 20 minutes and 20 minutes and 30 minutes and a couple of glasses of tea later. She said, look, I didn't mean to take up your day. I love talking about the things of the Lord, but my sister has got my children and I, I need to go. I need to go. If you'll just give me that map. And as he's finishing up that map, she said the Holy Spirit dropped in that room. She said the countenance of the man changed and he looked at his wife. And he said, honey, he said, I think the woman that we've been waiting on has finally arrived. She said, what do you mean the woman that you've been waiting on? He said, if you'll notice, if you'll look around our house, he said, halfway up. He said, 90% of our things are boxed and labeled. And he said, truthfully, we have a house across town. And he said, but we made a deal with God, a holy covenant with God, that we would not move out of this house until we sowed this house debt-free, paid in full, and to the family that were believers and would raise their family in the fear and admonition of God. And he said, honey, he said, I think we finally found the woman that we've been waiting on. You may be saying this morning, well, Dr. Tracy, that sounds really well. That sounds good. That sounds like a nice rap to an evangelical sermon. But will things like that really happen to me? According to your faith, yeah. so be it. According to your faith, yeah. so be it. If we will arise and come up here, there is a prophetic door. It is standing wide open. 
And God will show you what is next. I'll close with these few sentences. Do you know that the enemy of our soul is threatened that you and I would actually regain our divine anticipation? He is terrified, Pastor Bev, that we would wade out of the shallow waters and into the deep. He is terrified that in our generation we will be both holy and powerful. That our souls will be dissatisfied with small dreams. Let me ask you, we're in the final quarter of 2022. How will this year end differently for you spiritually than any other year? Or will it? Will we come up higher and see what is next? Are we going to remain in this horizontal conversation of what the news is telling us? Of what society is telling us? Of what our neighbors are saying? Or will we actually arise and to another dimension and vertically see what God is actually saying. Father, I pray for this woman or that your Holy Spirit has been touching this morning. Father God, I pray over her that God, she would see things from an aerial perspective that today that she would catch a vision for what is contained in her future. God, that she would be dissatisfied with small dreams that you would open the windows of heaven and Father just like Dorothy God who saw, who did a prophetic drive. God, that she was led to the right place in the right time and you pulled back the curtain of heaven and Father gave her a holy deposit. I pray over this daughter's life today, Father, that you would give her her heart's desires as they align with what the Holy Spirit is giving her, God, that you would release in her 2022 when she looks back, that this would be a sovereign year where you release creative and sovereign miracles over her life. And we thank you for every miracle that's going to be released over her life, over her family in the name of Jesus. We seal it with a holy seal today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I know I have to transition the service. Thank you so much for hosting me. Father, I pray over the people, Father, that they would catch a vision of what was spoken this morning, though it was hurried. Father, I pray that they would at least anchor their hearts to the scriptures that you shared today. Father, may they arise and come up and see things in another dimension. Father, may they see it as you see it. May you activate them on a different level. God, a level that is both holy and powerful, that they would contend in a higher plane, in a higher plateau, that you would release this prophetic house into a measure, a dimension, God. Safeguard their steps. Let them see that there is more, so much more. And we thank you today. We magnify your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you this morning. Amen. What a great word. Being challenged to move to a higher level for all of us. We all need to move to a higher level. I, uh, I'm going to receive an offering for her in just a moment, but I want you to stand to your feet just for a minute.
And I want you to look over the past couple of years, from 2020 to now, we find that there's so much fear that has been dropped in the hearts of people. I'm, I'm blown away that just the other day we were at a red light, my wife and I were in the car, and we looked next to us and there was a car that only had the driver in it, and the driver had a mask on. And I, and I sat there and I thought, what is it that got the person to believe that they need a mask on by themselves? If you want to wear a mask, fine, whatever you want to do. But give yourself a break from the fear that has been imposed upon you. You know, all, all of these um, tactics that have been imposed on, on all of us, at some point, we have to wake up and understand what is going on. And we can see it all in Scripture. You can, it, it, it's here. All we have to do is read the Word and get to a higher place. The Word, the word tells us, who, who are these men that float like the clouds and fly back to the windowsills like doves? Who, who's above the problems? Who's above the situations that were coming? Uh, uh, years, years ago when I was young, uh, there was a dove that was outside of our house on the, on the ground. And man, I, I snuck up on that thing pretty close. But, but and, and it had a couple of them there. One of them had his eyes closed, it was sleeping, and one of them was eating. And, and when I got close, they flew up to get away from danger. My point is, when the word begins to refer to us as clouds and as doves that fly back to the windowsills, this tells us when, when danger comes, he's going to reveal to us and we will escape the danger. So there's, there's so much in scripture. But, but right now, uh, the challenge for us in this message here is to go up to a higher place. It is a choice. It's a choice whether we're going to go up or whether we're going to stay right where we are. Now, here, here's the, she's talking about dimensions. We can walk around in the dimension that we're in right now and, and have gotten so used to the dimension we're in, we could literally close our eyes and walk through because we're so familiar with the territory. To move to another dimension means that I'm going to have to study and I'm going to have to look in that dimension to learn how to walk in that dimension. We can't bring the old into the new. We have to learn what God's wanting us to walk in. I'm going to go back just to one thing that, that was said here. Elijah, Elijah's sitting there and he says, uh, it's going to rain. I hear the abundance of rain. But he never had the authority to say that except that he was the one that says, it will not rain until I say so. So he got into a higher place, into a dimension, and took authority in that word, which now gave him the authority to bring the rain back. What is it in your life that you need authority in that no one else will be able to get that authority to speak it over your life? You're the one that speaks it, and you're the one that releases it. Does that make sense? So right now, just, just, just for a moment, if, if you are willing 
to step into a new place with God, to a higher place, which is going to require some changes in your life. Lift your hands if you feel comfortable in doing so. And say, God, I'm about to step in this new dimension. I'm about to go into a place that is unfamiliar territory to me. But I want your word to guide me. I want you to instruct me. I want you to walk with me. And I want you to send your Holy Spirit, which is the comforter, to comfort me in this transition. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of every person that is here. I ask you, O oh God, that you begin to show us, move on us. Lord, I ask you to give us a hunger for your word as we cultivate that hunger, O oh God. Father, let increase come upon us. Father, we declare over our lives, over our family, that sickness has no authority, that the works of the enemy has no authority, and we will take the authority back into our hands and begin to declare over principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness that's come against us. It has no authority in our house. It has no authority in our lives. And it has no authority over our children and those that are connected to us. Now, Lord, bless your people, O oh God. Pour out your spirit upon them right now, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we declare it over them to be so. And, Father, that they will follow their dreams and their desires. And you will, you will meet them and give them the desires of their heart. Bless us today, O oh God. And we give you praise and give you glory for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now we'll receive an offering. I, I, think, I think when we look at scriptures, we can look at it and say, okay, we can, we can use, many people use the word to manipulate people. Manipulation is a form of witchcraft. I refuse to enter into that. So we have to look at the word to see what the word says. So in Luke, it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Dr. Tracy came and she has, she's given, she's given out of herself a word that's been stirring inside of her. Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaking to... Uh, sh Run, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. This is what our objective is, is to, to meet or to minister to her, their needs by giving to them. Now, it goes on. It says, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. In other words, when we release what's in our hand, God's going to bring it back into our hand based upon how we gave. If I give grudgingly, then, then it's going to come back to me grudgingly. It's going to be, be limited. Making sense? But if I, if I give based upon the word of God and have faith in the word, when I give with a cheerful heart, when I begin to understand the word, the word begins to work in my behalf. So when I give, the first part of it, she came and gave. The second part of it is when we begin to give back. And how we give, it measures back to us in the same form. That make sense? So God begins to open up doors in our life for raises, bonuses, benefits, settlements, all these various different things that God begins to bring back into our life. And it comes back shaken together. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, we'd go pick peas. And I brought a hamper to my dad picking peas, 
and he took that hamper and he shook it down and those peas began to rattle in that and I, fig I figured, you know, I didn't need to come back to dad anymore without shaking that hamper down myself because I was embarrassed and he said, now go fill it up. He shook it down till it was about three quarters of the way full. God's going to shake down the hamper before he gives it to you so that it is full. Make sense? So I want you to give, if you get writing a check or whatever, you can make it to uh, Praise Church. We're going to give her one check, check for both of the churches as, as, uh, as we send her off today back home. She's been on the road quite a bit uh, from the West Coast to the East Coast, and now she's in the Middle Coast and, and now in the Gulf Coast. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we ask you that your blessings be upon us as we give. We ask you, God, that you'd cause increase to take place in our lives so that on every good occasion we have the wherewithal to do as our heart dictates to us, Lord. Bless us today, and we give you praise and glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to see everyone. And uh, been praying for you guys. Been praying for your daughter, brother. 